welcome to the Access Church Podcast. I'm so excited about this word. We're continuing our series called Take It By Force. And, and the title of today's message is Scandalous. You know what? We love scandals, right? I mean, if there was ever a time that that scandal was was a thing, I, I, I think it, it's now. Now, there are many words that could be used to describe the earthly ministry of Jesus, but one of the most fitting but rarely used words would be scandalous. See, with the advent of media, first radio, then television, and now social media have made scandals a part of our every day lives. Many people wake up to check Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, just to find the scandal of the day, or even more relevant to our times, the scandal of the moment. People live for scandal. And, and isn't that the fascination with, or the attraction, or the appeal of reality tv which is so far from reality but isn't that why we watch well, I, I mean i don't watch reality, but i know some of y'all do watching the card card carduchians what are they called not that important you're right but isn't isn't that the attraction because we're just you know the the, the real housewives of del rio right we're, we're just waiting that's why some of you years ago, before it got banned, would log into that website. What's that website that had all the cheese mess? How, how do y'all know? Because you, because people love scandal, and, and that's the appeal of of of, of that. And, and the fact is, the more scandalous the episode, the more scandalous the scenario, the more we like to watch. And see, I'm here to tell you that Jesus' ministry on this earth was scandalous. His ministry started in scandal. I mean, just imagine the whole concept of a virgin giving birth. Yeah, right. I mean, think about that for a moment. If you did not think that Mary and Joseph were enveloped and wrapped up in scandal, because people started, okay, you got married when? And okay, when was little Chuito born? He was born... The math's not adding up. I mean, think about it for a moment. His ministry started in scandal. And his ministry ended in scandal. Imagine the talk of the town, the man, the rabbi, the prophet, that one individual that the whole town saw get crucified, then buried. All of a sudden, he goes missing from his tomb. I, I just imagine that. Back in the day, Geraldo would have been there with his cameras. Yep. They would have been there looking. Can you imagine? Well, what happened to him? Well, he couldn't have just got up and walked. Well, yeah, he kind of did. Oh, that couldn't have happened. Imagine the scandal. See, er Jesus' earthly ministry started in scandal, and it ended in scandal. And you know what? There has never been a figure more scandalous than Jesus. See, because Jesus came to present to the people a different picture of who God is and what his kingdom was all about. 
See, religion tells you that God is a judge and that, that he is more concerned with your performance than your place or your position. All as a means for those who are in charge to control and manipulate the people. Religion tells you that you are not good enough. Jesus came to tell you that the Father is good enough. Religion tells you that you do not deserve God's love, but Jesus came to tell you that the Father's love is unconditional and irrevocable. Religion leaves feel you feeling condemned in your sin, but Jesus came to tell you that he came to pay the penalty for your sin. See, Jesus came to disrupt, discompose, discomfit all of the religious paradigms of his time. And we've talked about it before, that the religious mindset has always seen and pictured God as a judge, as this individual, as this figure that's sitting on a throne, just waiting for you to mess up, just waiting for you to say the wrong thing, just waiting for you to do the wrong thing with one lightning bolt in one hand and another lightning bolt in another hand so that he can strike you down with tragedy. He can strike you down with sickness. And Jesus came to disrupt and discompose and disconfit all of those religious paradigms, all of those things that told you that you weren't good enough that you weren't worthy enough. The Father's love. Jesus' ministry was scandalous. In fact, there are so many scandalous stories in the Bible. There were people that had an encounter with Jesus who because of some issue or situation in their lives, they were thought to be unfit, unworthy, inadequate to serve or worship God in any way. Maybe it was a spiritual condition, a physical condition, or just because they didn't meet the socioeconomic or racial expectation of the religious leaders in charge. Doesn't that sound like some of what we have seen today in the church? Jesus' ministry was scandalous. We don't have to look much further. We already mentioned about Mary and Joseph. Imagine their lives wrapped up in scandal. See, they were from Nazareth, a poverty-stricken, underprivileged community. Remember what the religious leader said of Jesus, who was from Nazareth. They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Imagine God using someone out of a place like that. See, it, it, it just didn't, it, it just, it just didn't uh, square with them. They, they just didn't have a grid. Imagine Joseph and Mary, people doing the math. Jesus' ministry was wrapped up in scandal. What about Mary Magdalene? One of Jesus' most loyal and fervent disciples, who before encountering Jesus was possessed by seven demons. And her transformation was so profound that even when all of the men that followed Jesus dispersed at his arrest and his trial, what did Mary Magdalene do? She stood with him that most vulnerable can you imagine the talk? You know, even Mary Magdalene's wrapped up in scandal with Jesus because there's all kinds of books and theories that she was Jesus' lover. Talk about Scandalous ministry. Think about, see, these are things that a lot of times you, you, don't, you, you don't realize and you don't notice. What about the Samaritan woman at the well? Scandalous. You're looking at a biracial woman who had five ex-husbands and then was living with a man that she wasn't even married to. I mean, not even Telemundo can make a novella that good. Think about it for a moment. 
the Samaritan woman at the well. The Bible says that she went alone at night. Why was she alone at night at the well? Because her life was wrapped up in scandal. She had to go to the well where she wouldn't run into the comadres. Because she got tired of being looked at and talked about and stigmatized and blackballed and blacklisted. <laughs> I know that don't happen here, but in other places it does. But there she was. She had to go at night. And lo and behold, who does she find? She finds Jesus. What does that tell you? That Jesus will come looking for you in your most vulnerable moment and situation. The exact opposite. She was there trying to hide. She was there trying to run because she had this paradigm, this concept that God was this judge, that God was mad at her, but God was not mad at her. He was so madly in love with her that he went and found her even when she was trying to run and hide. It's scandalous. And what happens after her encounter with Jesus, the Bible says she became the biggest and baddest evangelist in all of her community. What about the Syrophoenician woman who Jesus himself called a dog, testing her tenacity and her perseverance? What about the Roman centurion who by, by virtue of being Roman was excluded from the covenant, was excluded from God, was excluded because he just wasn't born into the right community. Matthew, the tax collector who worked for the IRS. And then you got Zacchaeus, a corrupt and crooked tax collector that everybody knew was just not right. Imagine the scandal when the whole town, the whole community saw that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house to have a little bit of tea. See, sometimes you, you read these stories not realizing the scandal that Jesus was wrapped in, the scandal that caused the talk, the gossip, the rumors, all those things. There he was, this one man that was completely despised. Jesus said, I'm going to show you who God is. I'm going to present to you a different picture. I know you think you know him, but really you don't know him. You know of him. I'm going to show you his heart through my love and through my action. And he goes to Zacchaeus. He says, dude, what are you doing up there? I'm going to go to your house. and We're going to have some. You don't think Jesus was wrapped up in scandal? He was scandalous. Oh, man. What about the apostle Paul? A religious zealot responsible for the mass murder of many Christians. See, a lot of times we, 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 we often look at these Bible stories thinking they're like, like, like mythological fables that we grew up reading in elementary school. But these were real people with real lives and real situations. Here, Paul, who was first called Saul, was literally responsible for the mass murder genocide of Christians. But then all of a sudden, he has an encounter with God. God transforms his mind. God transforms forms his heart and now 
He says, I'm going to use you to even write my word and establish my church, and I'm going to show you, I'm going to use you. What about the crippled man begging at the gate? But because of his physical condition, he didn't have access to the temple of God. He couldn't go in and worship. Why? He was excluded by no fault of his own. We don't know what if he was born in that condition. We don't know if he had an accident. We don't know what, what happened to him. But because of his physical condition, he was not allowed to go into the temple to worship. He was not allowed until one day Peter and John, they come rolling up and they see this man begging. And like all good preachers, they didn't have any money. Just kidding, we have money. And they look at him and they said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you. Get up and walk. You know what the first thing that man did was he got up. And you know what he did? Read the story. He got up and he went running into the temple. That one place that he was excluded from. That one, tape, that one place where he didn't have access to. That same individual that so many people, so many Pharisees, so many Sadducees all went walking by just looking at him in his physical condition until Peter and John come rocking up and they say, rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. And what did this individual do? He got up and the Bible says that he didn't follow religious protocol. He didn't walk in all, all sophisticated and dignified. The Bible says that he went running and dancing and jumping. That one place that he could no longer have access to, but because of an encounter with Jesus Christ, he now had access to the presence of God. What an amazing picture of what God does for us when we have an encounter and the Bible is filled with him. Stories. Because of certain situations and issues in their life, they were excluded from access. Scandalous. And you know what? The scandalous ministry of Jesus did not end after his ascension. He continues to this day to disconcert and disturb the constructs of religious paradigms today. Can I tell you a little bit of the scandalous stories of Access Church? See, Access Church is full of scandalous stories. People who were excluded by religious systems and structures because of their past failures, mistakes, and misfortunes, but after an encounter with Jesus, they now have access. Let me tell you the scandalous story of a young man who had been in prison and is now serving on our leadership team. The religious leader even told his wife, just forget about it. Convince her parents, you just got to let him go. He'll never be anything. Look, he's nothing but a convict. But God says, no, you see a convict, but I see a servant. You see a convict, but I see a minister. You see a convict. And let me tell you today, that young man is partly responsible for what you're seeing living here at Access Church. Let me tell you the scandalous story of a man who was drunk. And I literally went to pull him out after a party because his wife called me distressed. I didn't know where he was, kind of had an idea, got in my car, maybe 11, 12 o'clock at night, and there was driving neighborhoods, had an idea in what neighborhood, didn't know the address of the house until I saw his truck and I stood and I knocked on the door 
And I said, some lady opened the door. I said, see, you want to know his name, but I'm going to tell you. Because you all like scandal. And I knock on the door. I said, is so-and-so here? Um, yes, he is, Pastor. She knew me because she had been to church before. I'm waiting at the door. She comes back. Says he doesn't want to come out. He says that he's a man that he doesn't need you to tell him what to do. I said, well, tell him if he's a man that he can come out and face me like a man. Because I'm not going to leave until he comes out. Back in, a few minutes later, he comes out drunk, angry, upset. Have a conversation. Papa, it's time to go home. This is not who you are. This is who you were, but this is not who you are. A few minutes later, he gets in his truck, drives home. Scandalous. And now that man serves on our leadership team. Let me tell you the scandalous story of a young lady who had been addicted to narcotics, isolated, partying every weekend, out, drunk. And now that young lady, after an encounter with Jesus, is serving. I'm not going to tell you where. Because y'all like scandal. The scandalous story of a couple who got married out of an adulterous affair that met in church but are now serving in leadership. Talk about scandalous. I know you're looking around. See, Jesus is scandalous ministry. See, if you only knew, you'd be like, they, they can't be doing that. They're not fit for that. They're not worthy of that position. They're not worthy. Pastor, did you know what they've done? Do you know where they've been? Yes, I do but I also know what he's done. <laughs> Alcoholism, drug addiction, homosexuality, lesbianism, divorce, depression, adultery, fornication are just some of the issues and situations that people of Access Church have been delivered from. Scandalous. Because he went from being scandalous to scandalous. Pretty good, right? And I know you're thinking, how could a righteous and holy God take people who have been rejected, dejected, broken, abused, burdened, sick, and use them for his glory? And the answer is his grace. Grace is the key to everything. It is his grace that grants you access to what religion has excluded you from. And I'm not referring to the weak, need, limb, powerless, feeble grace that you find in most Christian theology today, but the shocking, outrageous, scandalous, discriminate, senseless, irrational, unfair, irreligious, ridiculous, absurd, offensive, infinite grace which Jesus exhibited during his life. That's why I call it, it's his scandalous grace. 
mercy, by grace. God loves all. See, the only people who really object to this kind of grace are the religious people who think that their behavior merits them some sort of special privilege or position with God. And all of a sudden, they're offended that so-called sinners are now put on equal footing with them before God. But that's exactly what God's grace does. I've got news for you. You're the talk of the town because people don't understand. Because they don't understand scandalous grace. I've said it before. No one is worthy of the pulpit. No one is worthy of the altar. Not even me. But grace. If you only knew every story of every person, of every situation, you'd be like, there is no way. How can a righteous and holy God think about using them again after they've failed and fallen, been broken, abused, hurt? It's because the grace of God. See, by grace, God loves all, forgives all, and accepts all with no conditions, no strings attached, no frying print, no qualifications, no limits, and no ongoing requirements. It is the grace of God so outlandish and foreign to every human way of thinking and living. I believe that it is absolutely impossible for any human being to place too much emphasis on grace. In fact, in Paul, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, gives us his experience with the grace of God. Mind you that Paul himself, the great man, the one responsible for so many mass murders, the one responsible for persecuting Christians and persecuting the church, doing all these things. At one point, he said, I am the chief of all sinners. And look at what he writes here in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. He says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Y'all want to know, right? Because you like scandal. There has been much supposition about what that thorn in his flesh is, that one thing that he begged. And when you read it in, 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 in the English or even in the Spanish, you, you don't get the sentiment. When you go into the original Greek language, it's, it's him crying out saying, God, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to do this more. I'm tired of falling. I'm tired of having this thing. We don't know what it is. What he said, he had a thorn in his flesh. It was, it was, it was like saying, you're a pain in my neck, right? We, we really don't know what it means, but the Bible tells that it, it, it grieved him so much that, that he was begging. He said, I pleaded and I begged with the Lord, please take it away. Paul at one time says, I don't understand the things that I don't want to do. I end up doing and the things I want to do, I don't end up doing. I'm pleading with the Lord and look at what God says. Each time, verse 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need for my power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. See, the religious mindset doesn't want to talk it doesn't want you to talk about where God brought you from. The religious mindset doesn't want you to testify to your failures, to your mistakes. The religious mind, why? Because it doesn't, it doesn't align with God using you. They don't understand it. But here Paul is saying, it is 
because of God's grace, I can tell you what I was. I can tell you what I've done. I can tell you where God brought me out of. I was once the chief of all sinners responsible for the mass murder of hundreds, if not thousands, of Christians. But I'm here to tell you that I can stand here today. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. Verse 10 says, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, his grace is what makes me strong. When I am weak, is it, well, what does that mean? What does that mean is that my weakness, my attitudes, my behaviors, my failures, my mistakes, my, 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 my lack of integrity, it leaves a gap. But what happens is God's grace makes up the gap difference. That's why he says, when I am weak, when I no longer can, God's grace makes me strong. I'm going to close with this. One of the clearest pictures of the reality of the scandalous grace of God is found in Luke chapter 23. The Bible says that on that faithful day on Golgotha, there were three men that were crucified. Some have said you have the good thief and the bad thief. I don't know how you can call a good thief a good thief, but oh well, that's how they say it. And Luke is the only writer that actually talks about this. And Jesus is hanging on the cross, and there's a thief to his right and a thief to his left. Luke writes that one is hurling insults. Telling him, if you're really the son of God, then get yourself down. If you, if you really are who you say you are, then do something about it. Let me see what you've got. You, you, you're a lot of talk, but look at where you're at now. Isn't that just sound like so many things that we face today? Every time you say, you know what, I'm going to serve God. You have those haters in your life reminding you of your failures, reminding you of your mistakes, reminding you of where you lack and there was Jesus standing on the cross one on his right one on his left Luke says one's hurling insults but then the other one says remember me when you come into your kingdom and what does Jesus say scandalous think about this for a moment what does Jesus say in that moment he said, remember me. One hurling insults. One saying, remember me. What does Jesus say? He said, today you will be with me. Paradise. Scandalous. Imagine for a moment the religious leaders that were responsible for the crucifixion 
and the false accusations against Jesus hearing that today he's hanging on the cross telling this thief you know what it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter how you've offended it doesn't matter what you've stolen we don't know what he did he could have been a murderer he could have been an adulterer he could have he could have evaded taxes we don't know but all of a sudden the scandalous grace of Jesus looks at this thief this man that was sentenced and condemned to die and he says today you will be with me in paradise. Imagine how the religious leaders took that. Talk about the ice bucket challenge. Because that went totally against every religious paradigm they had. Why? He didn't have time to get down and do good works. He didn't have time to pray and fast at five in the morning for seven days straight. He didn't have time to go to church, to go to the altar. He didn't have time to, to, to sing praise and worship songs. He didn't have time to do anything that. But just in that moment, he said, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine the religious minds at that moment? Those religious leaders thinking, how dare you? Who do you? You don't know what that man did to me. You don't know how he hurt me. You don't know how he violated my trust. You don't know how he violated my home. Do you know who you're inviting to paradise? Do you know who you're welcoming in? I imagine Jesus says, yes, I came to die for him too. But he hasn't done any good work. He hasn't kept the law. He didn't celebrate the feast. He didn't take the Passover lamb. And Jesus says, he doesn't need to because I am the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He didn't have time to do any good works. He didn't have time to get down and follow all the religious protocols. He didn't have time to go get a lamb. He didn't have time to go through the, all the stations of the temple to get into, to have access to the presence of God. But he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Scandalous. See, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know who's hurling insults at you. Maybe it's in your own mind. You, you haven't been able to even forgive yourself for your failures and your mistakes. I'm here to tell you there's a grace for that. I'm here to tell you that God's scandalous grace. I'm telling you today, if all you say is, Lord Jesus, remember me. Saying today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today, you will have access to what you were excluded from. Today, you will be included what you were excluded from. Today, you now have eternal life from this day forward. Why? Because it's not about what you do. It's about what I'm doing, and it's about what I've already done. That's why I say ministry not only started in scandal, but it ended in scandal. I can just imagine the religious leaders right there hearing him tell this thief those words. It didn't just go over very well. But Jesus said, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. My grace is sufficient. 
And that's what he's telling you today. Whatever, wherever you're at in your life, whatever, whatever place, whatever circumstance, whatever situation, wherever you think you have failed and faltered and given up and made mistakes, I'm here to tell you that his grace is sufficient. And he's telling you today, all you have to do is say, remember me. We'll have access to what you were previously yeah the religious people aren't going to like it they're going to question you they're going to doubt you they're going to see you have hiccups of past behaviors and things that you used to do and they're going to try to tell you that that's who you are you're going to say uh uh that's who I was but that's not who I am I am different why because of the scandalous grace Will you stand with me today? Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, thank you for the picture of that scandalous grace. God, thank you for the stories, the scandalous stories of Access Church because we're a perfect picture representation of what we are going to be found in heaven. God, I thank you because it's not about our performance. It's not about what we do. It's about our submission. And your word says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, then we shall be saved. Thank you for that today. And I want to give you this opportunity today with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in need of that scandalous grace, maybe you once were walking with God, but you found yourself getting away from him. Maybe you never made that decision but it doesn't matter where you're at today. You say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you today, wherever you're at, I just want you to do me a favor. And I want you to raise your hand. Let me see where you're at today. Anybody say, you know what? One, two, three, four, five. Today is your day. Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.